The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas, and again, so glad that you can join us this morning as we share and explore all relevant issues related to autism spectrum disorder. Well, my guest today is Shannon Rosa. Uh, Shannon is Senior Editor at Thinking Person's Guide to Autism. She's the parent of what she describes as three even taller children and a fan of her spouse's work in public media science documentaries. She lives near San Francisco, California, so you're far away. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Oh, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. And Shannon, there's so many reasons I, I, I wanted to have you on the show today. But, you know, mo- most importantly, that you seem to have a real understanding around how children can cope with the pandemic and all the lockdowns and some of the constraints and challenges around that. So, you know, I would ask that we, we get right to it. I know you've written an article uh, for the Washington Post. In fact, you're, uh, you know, very well accomplished. And I believe you have a, uh, a son who's on the spectrum. Yes, my autistic son is 19 years old. He's mostly non-speaking and is a 24-hour support dude who is uh, extremely lively and wonderful. And we spend a lot of time hiking because he's got a lot of energy. (laughs) I have no no (laughs) doubt. So when you have a lot of energy, uh, the idea of being contained and bunkered down Uh, during a pandemic uh, couldn't be less what the doctor prescribed. So how is your son doing? And, you know, what are some of the problems around uh, coping with this? I would say that at first it was very difficult because initially we were, like most people, just completely locked down and not doing anything. So he definitely had um, a lot of agitation from not being able to get out and exercise. I mean, he's not alone in that, and that a lot of autistic people require a lot of physical exercise, not just for being high energy people, but also because it helps them self-regulate. And so um, that was hard. But eventually, you know, the guidelines changed and we've been able to uh, get out and very, very safely social distance and exercise and go on things like hikes to remote areas that are very windy. Um, you know, we've been listening to the guidelines. Being outside uh, is, is relatively safe as long as you can be very far away from people and social distance safely. So that's, that's what we've been doing and that's been helping a lot. You know, sometimes we get out and hike twice a day. Um, But in doing so, we also are very fortunate because we live in an area where we can do that. And I realize that not everybody, especially people who live in higher density areas and higher density housing have those options. And um, I know I've been hearing from people that that's that's very frustrating because finding the outlets that we've been able to find are not possible for everybody. And so people have been making do with things like in you know like mini mini trampolines in their in their apartments and and you know little rock walls. But it's still it's uh, it's it's very frustrating, and a lot of people are suffering uh, both physically and in terms of their mental health. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And uh, you raised the uh, the issue of self regulation. Uh, and I do, you know, I, th- I think it's important. I think in it, in the neurotypical world as well, I think that inability to well, you know, to be present at work, 
you know, go to go to restaurants, to go to movies. I, I don't think people fully understand how much we rely on those kind of activities to self-regulate. They've become touchstones uh, mm -hmm. as well as distractors, uh, you know, a way of feeling a little safer in the world and have some continuity and maybe a little bit of a rhythm, as well as the obvious recreation that afford that it that it affords. But you know, when you think about your your son and uh, other people on the spectrum, I think it comes with other complexities. Uh, don't you around special sensitivities and uh, you know you know um, um, yeah sensitivities and uh, proclivities. So I think there's a couple of other layers here that we need to think about. Absolutely. Another thing that we've been experiencing in our house is what's called competing access needs, where we have. You know, everybody's stuck together and some of us create a lot of noise and some of us are sensitive to those noise to a degree that is actually physically and temperamentally incompatible. So um, we've been having to be very careful in terms of managing how the people in our house, I have a bunch of teenagers, um, interact with each other. And, you know, uh, that has ended up for, unfortunately, some of my kids being in their room most of the day, uh, which fortunately suits their temperament because, uh, you know, even though some of us, as you described, you know, we rely on our social routines, but a lot of autistic people that I've heard back from um, are actually quite happy to be at home by themselves because for some people, social routines and, and unpredictable humans, that's those social factors are actually incredibly stressful. And so removing that unpredictable factor has actually created um, a safe environment for them where they don't have to worry. <laughs> they've, they've actually found it very healthy, very good for their, for their self-esteem. But there, like you said, there are just so many factors that uh, happen when people are stuck at home either by themselves, which for some people can, you know, some people who are living by themselves are having social and, and mental health issues because they don't have their connections and other people are finding that to be a relief. So it's complicated. You know, I, I appreciate that, that you've kind of identified that there really are two sides uh, to this coin, you know, with, with some people finding some solace and perhaps, uh, maybe even some greater efficiencies uh, around being home. And, you know, again, I have to kind of think about this in relationship to the world at large. And, you know, we know that unfortunately during this pandemic, there had been a, a spike in uh, substance abuse, yeah. and sadly, in suicides and broken marriages. Uh, yet other people doing really well at work, learning to work remotely, becoming, as, as we were talking about, potentially more efficient. So it's, it's really not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, um, and in terms of that ability to uh, self-regulate and, and feel comfortable, and I guess the word is becoming, the phrase is becoming hackneyed, the, uh, the new normal, mm -hmm. I think there really are uh, di different responses. And when you think about people on the spectrum who have to leave the old normal, which was hard enough to adjust to, mm -hmm. and wrap their heads around this new thing, I think that's really tricky. It is tricky, but one of the factors that has happened is that, uh, you know, a lot of autistic and other disabled people have been asking for the kind of accommodations that we're using right now, remote meetings, remote video meetings, uh, working from home and other kinds of accessibility for years and have been told that those things weren't possible. And now we find out that when you know, the majority wants those things, oh, suddenly they're possible. And even though a lot of people are grateful that they're happening, they're still um, both little, you know, giving a little side eye to the fact that it's happening now and also concerned that 
this new normal is not something that will continue on in terms of accommodations. You know, like my son um, being able to do his schooling from home via Zoom, he enjoyed some aspects of it and some he didn't, but it would be great, for instance, if when he has a sick day, if he can still have instruction from home in this way. And, you know, we've demonstrated that it's possible, uh, but whether it will still continue to happen is, is unclear. Sure. And Shannon, for your son, uh, it's interesting and important, you know, you mentioned that uh, um, setting you know, the school piece uh, in a remote format, that there were certain components of that that your son liked and some that he does not. What are some of the things, just real specifically, what are some of the things about that that he, he likes and some that he does not? I think he likes that it's um, it's more limited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but only because it's from home. I mean, he has a very, um, well, I don't know if you can hear him in the background right now. He, he sure. just came home uh, from a hike. But it's interesting because some things he, he likes and some things he doesn't, as I said. But um, I think he has a very clear idea that there are things he does with mom and things that he does with other people. So it's actually the hardest thing for him has been for me to be the person who is supporting him doing school. Mm-hmm. The things he likes is, um, you know, doing online puzzles and books and things like that, where he can interact with the screens, like with iPads and things like apps like Caribou and, and Zoom in uh, ways that he he enjoys interacting through screens. I know people get concerned about uh screen time abuse, but for a lot of, of autistic and other disabled people like my son, screens are an accessibility issue and they actually enable him to have a lot more range of choices. And so that learning style actually meshes with his own personal learning style pretty well. You know, it's, it's, that's so important because we do see that with a lot of people on the spectrum that they're often we see them gravitate uh, towards you know technical uh, skills and, and finding both the conflict and the use of their talents there. So I'm, I'm really not surprised by that. Uh, we, we do see that. Uh, in some ways, the screen creates a barrier and a safe place, but also it taps into, I think, a certain ability and a potential that can be, uh, be, be cultivated. Well, you know, you're, you're listening uh, to DDI and Autism on 103.9 FM, uh, keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. Uh, my guest today is uh, Shannon Ronan. Rosa, Shannon, when we return, let's talk a little bit about your article for the Washington Post and really move into this idea about some of the problems with masks, which has become wearing masks, which is so controversial uh, during this. So stay with us. 